You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. Hello, hello, Miami Dolphin fans, and welcome to a very, very special episode of the same old Dolphin Show and the DolphinsTalk.com daily podcast for Tuesday morning, October 13th. It's an interesting day. Typically, I'm here, uh, by the way, I'm Josh Katzker. Usually with me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. He is not here today because he is dealing with some off-the-field issues, but I am very fortunate today to be joined by the executive vice president of DolphinsTalk.com, Tom Ernesty, on the show. Tom, how's it going? Hello to the people. There, I was supposed to say hello Say hello to the people, so you, you picked up the cue. I picked right up on, on it right away, man. Uh, I'm glad to be here with you. I think this is going to be a fun collab show for uh for our listeners and uh we're gonna get right to it folks we got got a ton to talk about and you know obviously we're gonna talk about some good stuff the dolphins smashing the 49ers 43 to 17 and it gets no better than that score uh but there's a lot going into that game and and we're gonna talk about it yeah, we're, we're going to typically on the same old Dolphin show, we, we start off by going through the good, the bad, and the ugly. But as Tom and I were discussing before we hopped on the show here to start recording, there's not really a lot of bad or ugly to talk about. No, none. Uh, you know, when we, when we look over the game and we look over everything that happened uh, on Sunday, there wasn't a lot of bad at all. You know, the Dolphins had explosive plays. The defense was was menacing to the 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo was pulled, folks, pulled from the game because he was, what, 7 for 17 with 77 yards, two interceptions. He got sacked two or three times. It was a defensive effort that kind of we've been waiting for, but I think one of the big cogs to this uh, success in this game was Byron Jones returning to action, and that caused – all sorts of havoc for the 49ers and the Dolphins were able to just tee off and send blitz after blitz after blitz. They mixed coverages, man to man zone coverage. Uh, you know, they, they, they did so much good that it's hard to pinpoint something that they did. That was bad. Yes. There are a couple mishaps, but nothing to complain about here. Absolutely nothing. Yeah, I mean, you could get super nitpicky if you really want to. And and rest assured, Brian Flores and the coaching staff are going through and they're finding those little things to nitpick about because that's what you do when you're an NFL coaching staff is you got to find those moments. There's always room to improve, right? But yet from, from, a, from a fan perspective, this was like the stuff of dreams to, to see your team go all the way across the country out West into your opponent's stadium. Sure. There's no fans there, but to blow them out of the water in the way that they did was just, 
just a, a very, very pleasant surprise. And especially when it's the late game on Sunday and you're sitting, so the anticipation is even greater than it typically is for the game. For that game to just, to, you're grinning ear to ear the whole time through. I mean, that very rarely do you get to watch a Dolphin game where you're kind of, dare I say, relaxed watching the whole thing, where you're just sort of, you know, normally I'm, kind of feel like just out of force of habit waiting for the bottom to drop out, but it never happened in this game. It was as complete a performance from the Miami Dolphins that I can remember seeing uh, in, in, I don't know, decades. It's been a while. I wouldn't even, I mean, when I really thought about it, the last time the Dolphins just absolutely manhandled their opponent was the Houston Texans game back in 2015. They were up 40 to, what was it? 40 to three or 40 to nothing at halftime or something like that. It was, that was the type of performance that the Dolphins displayed from the beginning kickoff to the final gun of the fourth quarter. They didn't let up. They kept attacking. They didn't do what they did in the Jacksonville game. and got kind of vanilla again with the Jags game. There was nothing to complain about either. I'm not one that's going to complain about it, but you saw a little difference there uh, from the Jags game to this game is they did not want the 49ers to get any sort of momentum to come back into the game like the Jacksonville Jaguars had their chance uh, in week three. So uh, it's, yes, it has been a, a very long time since we've seen the kind of performance that we saw and, you know, it could only lead to bigger things. You know, we got the stinking jets coming to town on Sunday afternoon, which I am pleading, pleading at this point, Adam Gase hasn't been fired. He's going to be in Miami. If the dolphins can lay the lumber, the way they did against the 49ers, dare I say that the final head coaching game of Adam Gase's loathsome career will be against the Miami Dolphins. This was my this was the dream that I had set up in my my season the season prediction show. I imagined that Gase was still the coach of the Jets in week 10. And I knew the Jets were gonna be bad. I didn't think they'd be as bad as they are. I mean, they are putrid. Um, but my dream was he was still the coach come week 10 when the Dolphins take on the Jets, beat them soundly, fire him over the bye week. And then he, the next week we have the Jets coached by somebody new and the Dolphins just pound them again. But listen, if, if we got to take a break and there needs to be a few weeks in between, I'm fine with that. Uh, I would love nothing more for than the Dolphins to go into their week seven bye having retired Adam Gase as a head coach in the National Football League. That'd be fantastic. Oh, it'll be great. It, it'll be poetic justice for all the all the crap that he brought to the Dolphins in his final two years, really, uh, basically telling uh, the owner of the team to F off after the game in Indianapolis, um, completely destroying multiple careers of players, fan favorites, Jarvis Landry, Ken, trading Kenyon Drake, which I understand from last year, but not utilizing Kenyon Drake in 2018, the way he finished 2017. Uh, Sue, the Ryan Tannehill debacle in 2018, how, how he was deploying him in 18 versus the way he did in 16 was completely night and day. And now look at, look at where these players are right now in their career, respective careers. And we always, you know, we can always pinpoint that Adam Gase, the, big problem in Miami, but at least 90% of it was him. And, you know, that's a fault of the Dolphins too. But if we can close the chapter of him being a head coach in this league by destroying the Jets, 
on Sunday, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. And I think everybody should have a toast of celebration if the Dolphins force Adam Gase to get fired. I think it should all just be one big Twitter happy. Everyone just take a shot, video it. Tell oh, them, yes. Have a nice day. Oh, yes. And that actually reminds me, Tom, for something that we were going to announce on the show with uh, with Aaron the Brain. Sam on Dolphin Show is putting a little project together. I, 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 we're working on a little project. So we want anybody who uh, can hear this podcast, send us a video. You can tweet it at us or you can email us, sameolddolphinshow at gmail.com. Uh, take a video of yourself saying F the Jets or the J-E-T-S suck, suck, suck chant. We're, we're putting a little something together over at the Same Old Dolphin Show. So go ahead, record yourself, send that our way. And um, yeah, we're, we'll definitely have something ready for you, hopefully by, uh, by Sunday afternoon. But listen, Tom, we're going to have plenty of time to talk about the Jets because it is, it's Jets, Jets week and you know every Dolphin fan loves to get fired up for Jets week. But before we close the door on this San Francisco game, I want to talk about something that you touched on, which was the return of Byron Jones to the secondary because this made such a huge huge difference. And um, there's a stat from uh, Pro Football Focus where basically here's the stat. It says in the two games that Byron Jones and Xavier Howard played together for the full game, the Dolphins have allowed a total of 268 passing yards. And that, that comes to 134 yards per game. Right now, through five weeks, the number one passing defense in the National Football League is the Indianapolis Colts, and they are averaging giving up 179.6 yards per game. That's an, that's an amazing stat. Now, it comes with a caveat, right? Because the two games are the New England game week one and this game week five. And, and in week one, we know Cam Newton wasn't passing the ball because he didn't have to because the Patriots were tearing us apart on the ground, rushing for over 200 yards. And in this game, Garoppolo was all out of sorts and, and, and CJ beat hard is not particularly good in general. But that being said, you know, small sample size, whatever, that's the kind of lockdown kind of secondary that we were imagining, at least on, on the same old Dolphin show. That's what we were imagining seeing this season. And, you know, it just goes to show you how big of a loss Byron Jones was over the course of that Buffalo game, uh, the Jacksonville game, maybe not so much the Jacksonville game, but uh, particularly against Seattle as well. Um, you know, Noah Igbenogany was not supposed to be in there being your every down cornerback for this team. And he was he was out of sorts and he was inexperienced and that showed. Byron Jones comes back in here and suddenly this secondary is locking people down again. And what what did they allow? I mean, it seemed like, what, what was it? 170 something yards total over the course of this game in the air. Yeah, 171 yeah. yards total that the, that the 49ers put together. It was yeah. impressive. It was an impressive performance overall. And you mentioned Noeg Benagni. He only played 10 snaps in that game uh, on Sunday. So that, that was only 16%. And I think that was more by design than anything else. I think he, he got his head kicked in a little bit over the last few games. He had a great game against the Jaguars. He was very good against Jacksonville. But you leave a, the youngest player in the league on an island against all elite wide receivers like you know DK Metcalf and Stefan Diggs 
you're going to get torched. You know, it's a learning experience for him. I'm not down on Noah Igbenogany. I don't mind that he only played 10 snaps in this game. But again, I think that's all by design. I think they are going to work him more and more back into the game plan. We probably will see him a little bit more against the Jets, most likely more than 10 snaps in the game. Um, but I think that's right. I think that's the right thing to do for him. I, I think, 100%. I th- and I think that was probably the initial plan this year was only to use him sort of selectively and let him, you know, come in and whether it's in, uh, you know, select packages or whatever, he didn't need to, he doesn't need to be out there the whole time. Let him build up his experience first. And then he can, you know, he'll, he's going to be eventually an every down kind of guy, but he's not there yet. Let's build up that experience. Yeah. And he's learning from two very good corners too. You got a lockdown corner in Byron Jones and you have a playmaking corner in Xavier Howard. So having those two together, I think will speak volumes long-term if they both can stay healthy. We know that there's concerns. Byron Jones really wasn't hurt in his career prior to the injury in week two, which was a freak injury, just slipped on a wet field, pulled his groin. Uh, he was he was all shut down yesterday, and so was Xavier Howard. I think, uh, I think he had six targets his way, and he had gave up zero catches, and he had an interception and a pass breakup. So overall – it's the type of performance that you that we expected. As you said, going forward, you have the Jets. I'm not really concerned there. I think that they're going to have their way with the Jets receivers because they're banged up, and you have Joe Flacco throwing the football, and it's not Joe Flacco from 10 years ago throwing the football. He looked atrocious against the Arizona Cardinals, and it looks like he just doesn't have much left in the tank. Uh, mostly because of his back injury. So he it doesn't look like he's got the arm strength to get it down the field. So same game plan. Let's keep everything in front, force the turnovers, get the, get the ball into the end zone. But it starts with those two guys in the secondary and everything else just falls into place. Bobby McCain made plays. Brandon Jones was all over the field. Eric Rowe was doing the same thing. So when those two are on and they're doing their thing, Everybody else does their part, and that's the game that we need to see going forward. Absolutely, 100% agree with you. Um, On the other side of the ball, some of the positives for me were obviously, I mean, the big one is Preston Williams. You, You have to start there. Thank goodness he finally like looked like something like that receiver that we saw all last season. And to to see him out there going up, jump balls, making big plays is. Uh, something that is going to make a lot of Dolphin fans very happy as we move through the season. The other thing that I just think is really fantastic is you saw the Miami Dolphins see that they had an advantage offensively with the way that their two receivers matched up against these backup, backup corners for the 49ers. And Devontae and Preston just ate and Fitz went at them. And the offensive line did such a good job that the only time that, you know, Fitzpatrick really faced any trouble was when they fired in a blitz. And even in those cases, most of the time it was picked up and Fitzpatrick was able to to get the ball away to an open receiver in plenty of time. Um, and so it was really nice to see Miami come in and know they had an advantage and to completely exploit that throughout the full game. So often it, it feels like the Dolphins game plan has been sort of reactionary to whatever the other team 
showed them and yep. that they were they were not coming in with a game plan of their own and more just sort of reacting to what they saw and to see them go into San Francisco with a, a firm plan and execute it and execute it in a big way was just I mean very very impressive. Yeah, you can't you cannot be angry about anything that the Dolphins have done uh particularly on offense, you know, like you said the Preston Williams thing I was down on him a lot, uh, but I also kind of understood that we're almost to the year mark of that knee injury that he fit, had against the Jets at the beginning of November. I believe it was week nine or 10 last year. So he's at that year mark. So his knee is starting to get that full strength back. And you saw it yesterday. Uh, you know, he had four catches for 106 yards. He drew two or three penalties, two pass interference penalties, um, as he, you know, as he was just absolutely destroying his, uh, whoever was on him in that game. So if he can continue success and now I'm not expecting Preston Williams to get monster play after monster play, like he did against the 49ers. But if we see Preston Williams doing what he did last year before the injury, you know, five catches a game for 60, 70, 80, 90 yards and be consistent with it on top of what Devonte Parker has been doing consistently this offense will have explosive plays. And we saw that because Mike Jasicki had a 70-yard reception. Matt Breida had a 31-yard screen pass. When was the last time the Miami Dolphins had a 31-yard completion on a screen pass? I mean, that has to be in the record books. as maybe like since 2008. I have not seen screen passes work so well, and they were able to get 31 yards out of Matt Breida on that play. If they continue to do this, this team is going to be electric. Yeah, they're going to be it's a lot of fun electric. to watch. I said electric. Now hear me out. The Dolphins, so far this season, their last three, I'm sorry, their last four games, they have scored 28 points, 31 points, thir- uh, 23 points, and 43 points. They have 136 total points on the season, and that is – it's so much better than what it was last year. Let's put it that way. Way better. And, you know, also tip of the hat to the offensive line. The offense only goes as as well as your offensive line is, and the Dolphins' offensive line has been terrific through the first five games of the season. Even dealing with Austin Jackson's injury yesterday, Robert Hunt was spectacular at right tackle, and Jesse Davis was good. And, and he did not give up very much at left tackle. So overall, again, great job. Steve Marshall is assistant coach of the year. Right now, for me, he's the assistant coach of the year. The, I, the turnaround on that offensive line in one offseason is remarkable. Remarkable. Unexpected. Unexpected. Yeah. I don't think anybody expected this offensive line to be at the level that they're at right now. What I mean, what I think they've allowed eight sacks or something like that over the season so far over the season and half of those are on ryan fitzpatrick right and and their their coverage sacks or or him you know scrambling around doing the making those kind of plays they're not like these are not sacks where this offensive line is just crumbling because somebody breathed on them like we've seen in the past yeah it's been that way for almost god darn near a decade little over a decade that we've seen the offensive line just struggle 
uh, to protect the quarterback. And, you know, this is still a work in progress. This is not like the perfect offensive line, like the Cowboys of three years ago offensive line. This is not what they are. But what they are doing is providing opportunity for Ryan Fitzpatrick to go down the field and try to make plays with his arm, opening up running lanes, you know, and not having too many penalties against them. You know, that's the other thing too, is that the Dolphins are just, are, are not a heavily penalized football team. And that's kudos to the coaching staff. That's the TNT wall from last year that they don't have anymore. But that was the whole point is you don't have to make bad decisions on the football field. Let the play play out. You live to, you know, you live for another down and you keep pressing, you keep going and, and good things happen. And that is what it's been really since the, the Bills game. We've seen the offense continuously move the football and not we're not seeing Matt Hawk a lot. We're really, we're really not. Yeah, which, listen, that, that's a really positive thing when you're, when you're not punting the ball a lot. Sure, you can have all the conversations you want about the Dolphins you know, not finishing drives, and they, they have dressed that at least to a, a certain extent in this, in this game against San Francisco, uh, finding ways to punch it in. But th- these, this team is constantly moving the ball down the field and getting into position to score, whether it's a field goal, whether it's a touchdown. If you're constantly putting points on the board, that's a, that's a really good thing. And, and soon enough, those field goals are going to start turning into touchdowns. Yes. And, and I think, you know, so the, the, the positive sign is that they're moving the ball and they're moving it fairly well. I mean, and talk about points getting scored. The Dolphins are two and three. But they have a positive point differential of their the plus twenty three, yeah. Which you know can't complain about that. And now you got the Jets who haven't given up less than twenty seven points in a game this season. So feeling feeling pretty good about our two and three Miami Dolphins right now. Yeah, you know I I tweeted out on uh, Sun uh, actually on Monday the Dolphins are the best two and three team in football. Um, there's not a ton of teams at two and three, but you know, when you look at the way that the Dolphins are playing each and every week, they're in every single game. They 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 led into the fourth quarter against the Buffalo Bills, who are four zero. They led, or they didn't lead, but they held Seattle's offense, who averages over thirty three points a game, held them to seventeen points through the uh, the midway point of the fourth quarter until the wheels completely fell off offensively. And then they shut down the 49ers and put up 43 points. So this team, this is a whole different look, you know, and as much as, you know, many people will chastise on Chan Gailey, you know, because he's old and he doesn't know this kind of football or anything, this offense, the way that it's structured, I hope he has a really good understudy because I don't want to see this offense disappear at this point because it's been fantastic overall. And I, I'm excited to see more things coming from Lidbone Jr. I'm excited to see how they're going to sprinkle him in with the Wildcat, moving him around at wide receiver. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited to, at, at one point, see the Dolphins just continue to, to move the ball offensively and put up so many points that they're winning games. Even if their defense is awful, they can find enough points to win football games, which has not been the MO of this team for many years. They just haven't been able to do it, but they are starting to build to that direction. And I love seeing. It. Yeah. And I think that is something that we can count on. I, I like the fact that Chan Gailey's offense tends to be 
a little bit simpler. He's there. There's there are some wrinkles to it. I'm I'm curious the same way you are to see Lynn Bowden do, you know, run more of this wildcat. I'm really excited to see what happens when they start involving Malcolm Perry into that mix because this is still a guy that's on this roster who I think at some point down the line is going to be getting involved one way or the other. Um, but I think the other thing about this offense with how straightforward it is is that it's going to be very easy for the next quarterback, and you know who I'm talking about, to come in and take over this offense. Who are you talking about? I'm talking about about Jake Rudock, who's Uh, going to come in. Absolutely. Uh, I can't can't wait for Jake Rudock. I've been clamoring for him to take snaps every single week since the season started. I mean, mean, you hear it on Twitter all the time, more and more, people clamoring for it's it's Jake time. It's Jake time. The people want to see him. No, when when Tua Tagovailoa comes into this offense and takes it over, whether that happens in week eight or whether that happens in week 13, this offense is structured in such a way that he is going to be able to pick it up pretty easily. And it also plays a lot to his strengths. And. And so that is another really positive thing about things as as they continue to click. If you think this offense looks good and is moving the ball efficiently with Ryan Fitzpatrick, if Tua is half of what everybody is hoping that he's going to be, this is going to be one of the most dynamic Dolphins offenses we've seen in a long, long time. And we're still not done yet because there's four draft picks in the first two rounds of this upcoming draft. The Dolphins are going to have some money to spend again. They are going to get some playmakers on offense. They are going to continue to shore up the some of the other issues. But the big thing they're doing is building the depth. You know, in 2019, I said it many times, 2019 was about finding the diamonds in the rough. Find the guys that can backfill the roster at a cheap contract while they continue to build the talent at the top of the roster. So now if you have a roster of guys, which when you look at the Dolphins roster right now, you have 10, 11 guys who are very good football players, good veteran players, good young players. Now you just need to keep adding to that. Now you're going to keep adding those young offensive linemen. You're going to add those extra pass rushers. You're going to find more wide receivers. And if the Dolphins can do this and develop these guys this is this is a window of opportunity for them to do something special. Dare I say special, that this team is going to be competitive. We've seen them be competitive since week six last year. It's been a competitive team. This entire season, I'll take away week one, they're competitive every single game. They're winning games. And they're going to keep winning football games. As we talked about the schedule, it's only going to get better. And if the Dolphins can find ways to win, you know, out of the next seven, what if they win four? What if they win five? We're talking about a stretch going into late November, into December, where the Dolphins are playing meaningful football. And with seven playoff spots, there is a chance that they can, they can do something. Yeah. A, I mean, a year before it really should happen. Yeah, I, I mean, and they, they, they've put themselves a little bit behind the eight ball with, with the three losses early and particularly those two big losses in the division. Um, and so they're going to be chasing uh, both New England and Buffalo, I think, all season long. But that's OK. Um, but when you look at this stretch of football that the Dolphins have ahead of them, as you mentioned, like once they get past 
really the Rams is the next is the really tough game. I I don't I'm not terribly scared of Arizona right now the way that they're playing, and I think it's very possible that next stretch of games where you've got Denver mixed in there, the Chargers, the Jets again. I mean, you could see the Dolphins coming into Week 13 with you know not just a, a winning record, but a a record that puts them in a playoff spot. And what I was doing today when I was looking at the at the calendar and I saw they've got that game, the game just after Christmas against the Raiders. The, if the Dolphins go through this stretch of games like you're, we're all hoping that they can go through that stretch, there's every chance that the Dolphins and Raiders might get flexed to one of those Saturday nationwide broadcast uh, spots for Absolutely. that game in Vegas. That that could be end up being a a big big matchup in the AFC playoff picture. It could be. And we could definitely see that as an opportunity uh to as a measuring stick for this team. But, you know, in the event that the Dolphins do miss the the postseason, you know, and obviously this is a long way away, but if they do end up missing, this is not a season uh this is not a season that we can frown upon you know the Dolphins I think are going to win more a lot more football games this season um, as they got 11 games to go can they find those you know can they find those extra six seven wins to maybe have that chance to make that push that's all I'm asking for I want competitive football and they're giving it to us every single week they they really really are Um, and so I think as you take a look at this big picture you come away from this week five game against San Francisco. If you're a Dolphin fan, you're feeling very optimistic. It's, you've got to be, I don't know how you come out of that game feeling anything other than hopeful about this team. And what we've learned about Brian Flores and the way that he coaches these teams, his team, he's got that Patriot mentality where the team starts off at their worst at the beginning of the season and just improves as the season goes on. And if this team can start improving and keep improving over the course of the rest of the way, you know, listen, I I predicted that they would be seven and nine, but I would be more than happy if they could improve on that a hundred percent. Yeah, we'll see. That's we got we we've got a lot of weeks left. We, we take it a game at a time. We'll see what happens. Absolutely. So uh I think that's gonna wrap us up for this special crossover episode of the same old dolphin show and dolphins talk.com daily. Uh I guess we, we, we gotta get the plugs in. We didn't even mention Manscaped, but it's Manscaped it, Monday. We're recording it's, on Monday, folks. It's Manscaped Monday. Uh, it's Manscaped Monday. So everybody, make sure you, you use your Manscaped product every Monday. Use your Manscaped products every day if, you, if you're really into Especially having, after a win, folks. Oh, particularly after a win. You know, you got to get that victory You got to feel your best. You know, you got to be at your best after the win because, you know, after a win, you're more likely to, uh, you know, Share the positivity. You're more likely to score touchdowns. Indeed. You might, you're much more likely to, I'm not going to use the euphemism that I'm thinking of, but hey, it's a family show, everybody. But just make sure that you're going to manscaped.com. You're using the promo code Dolphins Talk, and that way you'll save 20%. You'll get free shipping. You get good products to take care of yourself and make sure that you are ready to do what the Dolphins do, which is finish drives. Absolutely. Well, everyone, thank you for listening. It's been great. Josh, I appreciate you having me on. It was good to have a collab. Uh, We'll have to do this more often, but everyone go to dolphinstalk.com for all the latest Miami Dolphins news and information. Follow us on Twitter at Dolphins Talk. You can follow me on Twitter at Dolphins Talk Tom. You can follow Josh at Dolphins Talk Josh. Or it's at Amplified to Rock. 
Amplified Rock. At Amplified to Rock. The show well, is His uh, name is Dolphin Talk, Josh. Next to right. his name. Amplified That's right. to Rock. It's very confusing. But yes, uh, at Amplified to Rock, at, at Samuel Dolphins, at Aaron the Brain. And uh, yeah, make sure to visit DolphinsTalk.com each and every day for all of the latest Miami Dolphins news and information. As we say, it is your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins. So make sure you're visiting DolphinsTalk.com each and every day. Uh, Tom, I haven't looked at the pick standings. I don't know if you caught me in our in our Dolphins talk picks this week. Uh, we'll take a look at that and we'll revisit it uh, later in the week. But I'm going to. I'm, I'm coming. I'm going to get you. I just. I, 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 I took a shot on Jacksonville. Lost. Um, yeah. But we'll, we'll we're, we're going to catch up. We're going to catch up. Absolutely. I, I'm sure you will because uh, you know if there's if there's one thing I'm good at it's uh, it's it's blowing a lead and uh, letting somebody catch me from behind. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to this special episode, this crossover episode of the same old Dolphin show and DolphinsTalk.com daily. They will be back in your ears on Wednesday with more DolphinsTalk.com daily podcast. Until then, take care of yourselves and each other. We'll talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Hands up. Go Dolphins.